by the time you hear this podcast, you'll realize that nothing impresses Shania that much. scientist that don't impress me much so yeah got the brains but have you got the touch now don't get me wrong yeah i think you're all right but that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night that don't impress me much welcome to by the time you hear this podcast i'm greg the rocket scientist I'm Ben, the guy who wants to be Brad Pitt, but I'm not. <laughs> Thanks, Shania. <laughs> Thanks we'll, for reminding we'll, we'll, me. We'll never measure up, <laughs> unfortunately. You never what? We'll never measure up. Oh, no, not even. Not even. No way. All right. So, uh, everyone, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's listening and continuing to listen so far. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, this is episode 128, um, hey. the number that comes after 127, according to <laughs> math, and um, it become it comes before 129, so uh, yeah, it's a natural fact. number. Yeah. Um, if you want to tell people where they can find us, because you're just you're just gushing with uh you're just ready to burst because you're so excited to listen to this podcast. Uh, you can tell people you can they can follow our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, U S spell Y O U. We're on Instagram, uh the gram or IG or whatever the kids call it nowadays. Uh at by the time you hear this, but U is spelled with the letter U because we're urban. Yes, we are. Um, excuse mm-hmm. me. Yes, we is is <laughs> um, that's also the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com send us your comments questions concerns show ideas and if you're an independent artist we'll play your music for absolutely free and if you want to um want to follow us well listen to us on the go of course this is a podcast so you want to listen to it on your mobile device put your earbuds in and you still have to go into the office and you want to avoid that annoying coworker who just happens to wear his Herschel Walker jersey into the office. Yeah. Uh, if I were a Georgia fan, that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to in- avoid that guy. Um, you can listen to us uh, if you have an iPhone or on the Apple podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on the Google Music app or Google Podcast app. Um, ben can answer that question better than I can. Um, we are also on different podcast aggregate apps such as CastBox, Overcast, Auto Radio, the Podcast app, Play.fm, Castro Podcast, Pocket Cast, 
Satchel podcast player, um, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And if you want to, if you're looking for a search engine for podcasts based on subject matter, you can uh, find us on listennotes.com. On our last episode, we talked about uh, two-tone music out of the UK or two-tone records. And if you search two-tone, then you should be able to find our podcast because we talked about it. And I, I used the phrase two-tone in the notes. Mm-hmm. If you can't find it after that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. We've given you so many options. There's really no excuse. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so let's get into it, man. Uh, we last did a podcast that was last Friday. No, Thursday. I think so. Um, the days blur together, man. Yeah, they, just so they much, really man. Are. They really are blurred together. <laughs> um, so, uh, not a whole lot has happened. Um, but the, the, anyone excited about the VMAs that's still coming up. Um, I was just actually looking that up to see who had, if we had crowned a uh, video Vanguard winner yet, only to find out that it hadn't happened yet. So, so we still don't have a video Vanguard and the things in two weeks. I mean, y'all do a, they don't, they don't need to do some kind of performance tribute or something. Ah, they're not going to do anything. It's COVID times, man. <laughs> they're just gonna hand out the award and cue someone from their house <laughs> okay <laughs> that's all it's um, gonna be cue someone from their house well i don't know if this ma- is bella thorne a singer bella thorne is whatever you wanted to be um <laughs> bella uh, thorne i mean she I, was i mean she was a disney star so yeah literally whatever you wanted to be okay um I went to Billboard, and one of the headlines I see is that she's the first person to earn a million dollars on her first day on OnlyFans. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. She might be <laughs> the first. I think she's the first Disney star to do that. Uh, and Billboard confirmed this, so I don't know if that helps her with her music career. I don't know if she is a singer, but after only 24 hours on OnlyFans, she had made a million dollars. Well, I mean, and I'm ashamed to say, on Reddit, this is what they've been waiting for. for like, this is, I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's just like Mr. Incredible, and he has the, he's putting the thing on, it's like, it's go time. Um, her fan, that was her fans. That was her fan base. <laughs> They're a sickly bunch, but that was her fan base. Well, apparently she did a, she did a, um, uh, her first video was like, I don't know if she stripped or something. And, wow. I, and I then it crashed like, the website. <laughs> it crashed the website. Oh, yeah. God. Um, oh, God. I bet the other chicks or OnlyFans are like, really? Uh, really? she, is, she is charging $20 a month to subscribe to her OnlyFans. They would have paid 100 Greg. I'm not even kidding. I, <laughs> they would have, I haven't been so on Reddit she, much So today. she That's set her sites too low? This. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. They would have paid. They would have easily paid 100 I, I'm, I guess I just haven't been on Reddit enough because I'd never heard about this. But, yeah, she they would have paid 100 Like She could have been a billionaire. <laughs> um, this is insane. <laughs> 
This is real true. And so she, <laughs> okay, this says she's using OnlyFans as research for her next indie feature film. Um, so this is part, this is she, so she's being method, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay, Daniel, Daniela Day Lewis. <laughs> um, so That's she, hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so she does have a song. She has a song called "Bitch, I'm Bella Thorne." <laughs> this is great. Oh, I just, this just keeps getting better. No, it like you know how like with these articles they say the such and such singer. So they put one of their songs, like, <laughs> and uh, so the such and such singer and the such and such is the song. In this article, it says the "Bitch, I'm Bella Thorne" singer. What's <laughs> This is insane because like, what's so funny she is she was on the show. So we all know who Zendaya is. She starred opposite Zendaya in a show called um Ah oh God, it's a show about dancing. Shake I can't it remember up. the name of it. Shake it up, yeah. She she stars opposite Zendaya, whose like career has gone the complete opposite. Like it's oh man, it is weird. But then again, no offense to anybody, she is from Florida. And it's just kind of like, you know what they say about chicks from Florida, man? <laughs> like, it's just. But, and this isn't even her first uh, venture into adult content. Oh, I didn't know that. I just knew uh, a lot of her fans says, were waiting, man. Last October, she received the Vision Award at the 2019 Pornhub Awards for her directorial debut project, Him and Her. There's a Pornhub Awards? I didn't know that. So, yeah, you know she was in a she was in a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> Did it? Was it also with Eugene Levy? I don't know, but that would make total I, sense. I, I nah, feel like she was, was in one. Boo. I think one of the Boo movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is so funny, man. <laughs> it's just like I'm looking. Oh God, just completely different, man. Just completely different ways. It, it's it's funny. You know, because it's usually like they're talking about like, yo, she just I'm I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. There's enough. What what right what it, what is it about her? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't get it. Because I don't, I don't she's get it. I mean, yeah, she average, crashed yeah. the website. I mean, like, uh is is her fan base that uh, uh it's, like it's I something said, I never dude, understand. They would have paid a hundred. She undersold herself. They would have paid a hundred easily. She's made two million dollars in less than a week. Yep. They would have. They would have. If they would a hundred, <laughs> well worth it. <laughs> they would have. They would have paid it, Greg. I'm telling you, these people are crazy. So I mean, she'll probably make guts. four million a month. I mean, because I mean, I don't know if there are going to be any new subscribers, like a, a big rush, just like it was on the first day. But mm -hmm. if they keep that subscription, yeah. She can make Man. a couple, well, at least two million a month. And on, I mean, she's still average. a working actress. So she actress, might make so three or four in the first month. Does she even really need the money? Is this just like shopping money? You know. <laughs> well, she's doing oh, these man. indie feature films, so she's doing it for the art. It's pro she's probably going to say something like that. It's for the art, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. But I mean. If anything, too, you know who loves this? OnlyFans. <laughs> who 
Yeah. OnlyFans. Lo- and they, this wasn't have- what OnlyFans was supposed to be, apparently. You said what? This wasn't what OnlyFans was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> I don't, who knows? I, I don't know. It, it it's, it's, it's rare sometimes that companies start out being what you wanted them to be anyway. Um, they continue to be what you wanted them to be when you started out. It's very rare. So, I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised that this is what it's become. I'm sure Snapchat, well, I don't know. Because when I first started using Snapchat many, many years ago, all you young folks out there, I know about Snapchat back in, it had to be at least 2010. Um, 2010, 2011. Um, I don't think anyone foresaw Snapchat being what it was, what it has become. I sure didn't. But that's that's this is this is hilarious. This this is just pure gold. <laughs> so to all the uh, Bella Thorne uh, fans out there, she's got an OnlyFans. Um, I I just feel like there's a bo- a lot of kids just stealing mom or dad's credit card. Oh, I'm sure they are <laughs> to get the subscription. I'm sure they are. The internet will be a buzz. Yeah. Um, nothing else. Well, a couple of things major, I guess, happen in the uh, music world. Uh, we had the Republican National Convention and the Democratic mm-hmm. National Convention, and someone apparently said, um, let's see, Deanna Lorraine, who ran for Congress against Nancy Pelosi and lost, um, said America needs far more women like Melania Trump and far less like Cardi B. Oh yeah. That little exchange. <laughs> and then uh, Cardi B responded with, didn't she used to sell that WAP? <clears throat> well, uh, Cardi B's got a point. Yeah, she does. She does. And what's funny is, when you think about, you know, women's women liberation and and the freedom to do whatever you want, I'm pretty sure Cardi B would be the first to say that if she wants to sell that WAP, she can, but don't use it to bring me down. And I liked that she said that because let's let's not lie, like we're not dis, we're not disgracing anyone for doing whatever you want to do. But I thought that was hilarious because yeah. it's absolutely true. I mean, people like try to. Look, it's easy to find nude photos of Melania on. Oh yeah, that's not even. You know, that's not. (laughs) I'm sure I can find them right now. (laughs) That's not a a difficult thing to do. They cannot be scrubbed from the internet because the internet is forever. So you know, she'd probably have an OnlyFans if she wasn't married. (laughs) She is waiting for the day that this whole (laughs) thing is is done with. We've seen photos to where uh, there was a there or there was a video recently where her and Donald Trump are getting off of a plane, and she has uh, uh her purse in her left hand, and oh, he's yeah. on her left, right. So he's trying to grab her hand, the same hand that she's holding her purse with, and she has to like brush him away, like brush him off, like yeah. get off me. <laughs> But he's still trying to grab her hand like, okay, one, she's brushing you off because this is awkward because she's holding her purse with that hand. And two, it's probably like, no, don't touch me. (laughs) I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) (laughs) This Yeah, I, I, uh, she, 
for all we know, she might divorce him and make an OnlyFans. I don't know. I don't know what's in her head. And if she and she wants to, there's a lot of Republicans out there who probably make her make a million dollars in a day as well. Yeah. That is all but certain. What um, a time to be alive, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's look at the charts here while I pull them up because they have been updated since our last episode. But we have the same number one song, speaking mm-hmm. of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. WAP, or people might be saying WAP because they don't want to think they're saying a derogatory term <laughs> towards Italians. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they mean no harm by it. But that is the number one song uh, this week. Still number one. Um, let me just Would you say it's here. still the one, Greg? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Like that, right? Oh, yeah. That, uh, we're, uh, they'll, we're, they'll get we're, it. We're far from that segue, but people will understand. Um, <laughs> debuting at number two. Laugh Now, Cry Later by Drake featuring Lil Durk, um, in which in which Drake uh quote unquote disses Kanye and Pusha T. Okay. So you got that. I'll check and it out a bit as a week. <laughs> and uh we I called Drake the perpetual Kentucky recruit, but in his music video he pretended to get drafted by the Toronto Raptors. Oh man! So what is he now? The um, because I always used to think of him as like the the Raptors super fan, but now he's, um, the Raptors second round pick. Because there's no way you take him in the first. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got no jumper. He has no handle. That I, too. We know he doesn't. Well, I think play he does defense. have a jumper. I think I saw him hit a jumper, but yeah, no handles. Yeah, he's an undersized power forward. He's a six foot <laughs> power forward. So he's a a, a Quincy AC. He, he, no, he's Quit. P.J. Tucker. Ooh. I don't know, though, because P.J. Tucker's actually pretty good. Well, yeah, he he's forced to play center. Even He's like, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what, six? He's six, six five. five. <laughs> he's banging down there with 6'10", 6'11", dudes who are like 240. <laughs> well, he's about 240. Is P.J. Okay, he looks solid, but yeah. I wasn't sure. Well, maybe he can hold his own there. It, I don't watch much because because Rockets because Houston Rockets <laughs> don't watch it's so much weird what they're doing tell. down there. They're getting beat, aren't they? Down in the series right now? No, it's two it two. Tied? two 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 two. Okay, okay. Uh, number three, the rock star, the baby featuring Roddy Rich. Uh, number four, Blinding Lights by the Weekend. Number five, What's Poppin', the remix, Jack Harlow featuring the baby, Tory Lanez and Lil Wayne. Number seven, debuting at number seven, Seven Summers, excuse me, that's number six. Number six is Seven Summers by Morgan Wallen. Are you familiar with this song? No, I am not. I'm not even familiar with him as an artist. But uh, it looks like he plays guitar, so it's probably... Uh, looks like a country artist. Maybe he's singer-songwriter. He could be that guy who did that um, song a few years ago that also wears hats. I, I don't know. <laughs> that was so generic. <laughs> I can't think of his name. He had that song, Just Let It Go. But okay. yeah, oh, never mind. He's a country singer. My yeah. bad. Number seven. straight country. <laughs> number seven, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. Number I finally eight, checked it out. Not very good song. Oh, is it because Harry Styles? That's why it's a hit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
something about these British artists, man, they love that slapback echo vocal that John Lennon made popular. Mm. And that has that on it. And it's just it's just a bad song. But yes, it's because of Harry Styles. Okay. Number eight, Roses by St. John. Number nine, Savage Love by Josh685 and Jason Computer. (laughs) (laughs) And number 10, I Hope by Gabby Barrett. Familiar with either of those songs? Gabby, let me see here. Uh, Says she's an American singer. Um, Country singer. All right, there we go. Yeah. She looks like that cover looks like um she's ripping on Marin Morris. Hmm. Maybe that's just how that's maybe that's just how they uh market these singers now. Yeah. Oh, she's from American Idol. Huh. Did she win? No. Oh. She finished third in the sixteenth season. Um I hope, which is the song here, uh, was the first top ten country song debut by an un- unaccompanied woman since twenty seventeen. That's a weird stat. Um, it has since become a top 10 um, hit on the Billboard 100. It's been certified two times platinum. So good for her. Good for her. All right. Uh, moving on to the Billboard 200. Here are the top 10 albums. Still number one for the fourth straight week, Folklore by Taylor Swift. Huh. Number two, okay. Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Number three, Legends Never Die by Juice World. Debuting at number four, Rich Slave by Young Dolph. Number five, Hamilton, an American musical, the original Broadway uh, cast recording. So kids are at home uh, watching it on Disney Plus. Yep. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, Pray for Love by Rod Wave. Number seven, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number eight, Blame It On Baby by Da Baby. Number nine, we didn't mention him last week, but he's back in the top 10. Hollywood's Bleeding by Sirius Malone. He must have known. (laughs) (laughs) He is back in the top 10. And number 10, Fine Line by Harry Styles, channeling John Lennon, apparently. (laughs) I mean, it's an easy thing to do if you're from the UK. I mean, it's it's pretty safe. (laughs) Yeah. And let's look at the Artist 100. She's number one again. Taylor Swift holds on to the number one spot. Number two last week. Number two this week. Juice World. Number three. BTS. Um, so this week they got a phone. Uh, one phone. <laughs> they all share. Saw- <laughs> Everyone's sharing it. <laughs> so uh, that's what they get for their hard work. Number four, Morgan Wallen. He has a top 10 song, so um, I guess it's good. I don't know. Welcome to the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, uh, he has a new song out. It's number two on the charts this week. Drake. And he got drafted. And he got drafted by the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. He's going to play in the uh, H League. That's a step below. Damn, Greg. (laughs) The H League. (laughs) He's an undersized power forward. He's six well, they feet play tall. Their games at the YMCA. <laughs> they play them at no. They they are fancier than that. They play them at you know L.A. Fitness. Oh, okay, they show up in that <laughs> t-shirts with H on them. <laughs> oh god. 
Uh, number six, um, this is only his second week uh, in this count, in this on this chart ever, uh, Young hmm. Dolph. So he was unranked, of course, last week. But as we told you the rules, he has a new album. So he's in the top ten. Number seven, Harry Styles. Number eight, Pop Smoke. Number nine, The Weeknd. And number ten, down from number six, Megan The Stallion. And uh, despite having the number one song, Cardi B drops to number 13. Mm. And I uh, want to see. We should have a, they're actually on this list um, pick. <laughs> like just someone like, they're actually <clears throat> still on this list. Still in um, the league. Nirvana moved up five spots. What what is happening? <laughs> Let's see here. Let's see what happened with Nirvana in the last week. Um, I don't know. So okay, huh? Is that what that was? Okay, so apparently there is a dramatic. I've seen this trailer and I never picked it up. Um. The new Batman trailer starring um, Robert Pattinson, and they're calling him Battinson, um, contained an orchestral version of a Nirvana classic, but I don't know which one. Oh, Come As You Are. No? No? Hold on, that's not it. But it apparently, what, um... whichever song it was, Something in the Way is the name of the song. I'm not familiar with oh, it, it, but was... apparently... Oh, I'm, I'm familiar with that song, but it wasn't Oh, yes, by... the closing track, oh, never mind. Okay. It wasn't by uh, Hidden Citizens? No, um, uh, and, and I don't think we should care. They're just not getting the respect they deserve. Yeah. But um, apparently that that happened. So <laughs> way to go, Nirvana, I guess. <laughs> um, so like yeah, a love decision. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl would do. That sounds like a. They were like, "Are you kidding me? She did what? Like, <laughs> no, we we didn't approve that. No, like, yeah." Yeah. So those are the uh those are the charts. Um and uh I really don't feel like there's anything else to talk about in music news. There's just there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, uh TikTok has revealed their user numbers in the Well, yeah, uh, cuz they got the whole sell thing going on, so and uh, the president's trying to ban TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I think because he found out Sarah Cooper is making TikToks and using audio and making fun of him. <laughs> I feel like that's the only reason. If it's not that, is that if that's not the reason, I would be surprised. I had always heard it was because of what they did to his um, his rally. They all got together, got t- um, asked for tickets, and didn't show up. And that really just, uh, what did Peter Griffin say? Grinded his gears, ground yeah. his gears. I could so. see that. I could see that as well. And he's like, "What is this TikTok? I don't, I don't know what it is. They don't like me. I don't, I don't like them, because that's his thing, you know. Because he likes QAnon, because they like him. So he likes anybody that likes him. Mm-hmm. The Nazis like him. Which is why, honestly." I would have just sucked up to him for all four years to get what I wanted. Like, you know what? That's a nice tie. I don't think it's too long. Sign here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's a nice shade of orange. (laughs) Sign here. 
You might have. <laughs> I can't stop. Stop. Oh, man. Good times. Oh, well, there there are a couple of things here we could discuss. Um, for the Aaliyah fans out there, um, her music has not been brought to streaming services. Well, the only album that has been brought to streaming services is the one produced by R. Kelly. Do you think people cancel that album? See, I don't know because that that I would wouldn't. mean I listen to it <laughs> to to cancel that album is in a way to cancel her, and she can't be canceled. I agree, um, but I mean, you know my stance. I, I I can separate the two, but I just wonder if people are like no because it's just you know the thing she was singing about is just not right, and it's just like it's just just listen to the album, but, just appreciate the album for what it was. While that may be true. That I mean, if they if they were to cancel R. Kelly, you have to cancel all the you have to cancel his productions too. A his, lot all, of his stuff. songs that he wrote. So you got to cancel Aaliyah's entire first album. Yep. You got to cancel "Fortunate" by Maxwell. "Lean on Me" by um, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Franklin. The family got to cancel it. You got to cancel um, uh, "Quality Time" by High Five. <laughs> We're reaching now. We're coming back. Oh God. Oh I'm, God. I'm, I'm catering to the to the urban audience. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you wrote "Fortunate." That's a good song. Yeah. Don't cancel us. Don't cancel us. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cancel. You are not alone. But people might have already canceled Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think that one. I think I don't think people have a problem canceling that song. <laughs> if I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, uh, the estate for Leah is in talks to bring her music, the rest of her catalog, which is only two other albums and a couple of soundtrack songs, uh, two streaming services in the near future. But people have been, they've been waiting for a long time, uh, I think it's her uncle that keeps it away. Oh, some, some people said it's her, it's her mom. I want to think I heard it's her uncle because he also has control of um, a fair amount of JoJo's catalog. The R&B oh, it singer is, JoJo. It is, it is her uncle, uh, Barry Hankerson, the founder of yeah, Black yeah. Crown. Yes. And that's why her stuff's not on there. So like her first album, but the first album by JoJo that had Leave Get Out is not on Spotify or any streaming because same reason for Aaliyah stuff. He just, <clears throat> he's hanging on to it tight. <laughs> um. There, there have been some numerous false starts, according to this article, that uh, there was a greatest hits collection that was pulled just hours after it appeared on iTunes. Um, an account uh, belonging to Hankerson teased that the singer's full discography would be made available on her birthday, which was January 16th. But that did not happen. And uh, there's a tweet from the Aaliyah Twitter account um, that says, we are excited to announce that communication has commenced between the estate and various record labels about the status of Aaliyah's music catalog, as well as its availability on streaming platforms in the near future. Thank you for your continued love and support. More updates to come. Um, Do you see, do you think this is another false start? Probably. I've, 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 I mean, I don't know a ton about him, but I've heard he's kind of crazy. 
Like, he's just not like, yeah, I've heard he's kind of crazy. So I don't think, unless their price is right, we'll probably never hear her stuff on, and even maybe not even then, because, I mean, they're probably just going to offer him the same deal they'd offer anyone else, you know? Because I, I think at a certain point, <clears throat> it's it's kind of like a strike while the iron's hot kind of thing. Aaliyah died 20, almost 20 years ago. Um, and I think what came out after that was maybe rock the boat after she died that had some popularity, but like, she hasn't been hot in a long time. And I think the people who remember her and still like her and listen to her are probably going to move on. I mean, it's no, I mean, I, I think you underestimate her fan base. I would, I hope I am then. Cause I mean, I I'm sitting here attributing like, Hey, this would be like them holding like the immature catalog hostage. It's like we care, but do we care that much? Like you, how are you gonna, how are you going to tell somebody who died, but who was born after she died? Oh man, you don't know. There's this chick named Aaliyah. She changed the game. Like she was singing over like kind of like hip hop beats, and she had this hip hop style. Because if you think about it, like yeah, Destiny's Child sung over hip hop beats, but they didn't have hip hop style. They still dressed like R and B singers. Like she dressed and that's what made Aaliyah so hot. Like she dressed like that. She had on like the streetwear. She would wear the sunglasses. She had on the like she it was really cool. That was her thing. Now, later in her career, they started trying to kind of, you know, change her a bit. But like when one in a million came out, that was dope. You know, she was she had on the the shirt exposing her midriff, the big pan. She had Timbaland producing the beats. There wasn't really anyone out there like her. It was and it was really really cool. So, I mean, I'm all on board for this, but I just wonder at what point will, you know, it's it's kind of hard to relay that to someone who was big but not really that big. Like this isn't like Michael Jackson. This is Celia. You know, do you show them Romeo Must Die to try to convey? You know, I mean, I think there, I, I think some people will still be able to relate, but I mean, there it's it's people our age. That, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that still like celebrate. Like, I mean, look, there's a there's a group of people who still um, hold a candle for Aaliyah, uh, mm -hmm. and they still hold a candle for Lauren Hill. Um, <laughs> no one on this podcast, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's hard. It, it's hard to do that. Okay, I can't hold a candle for Lauren Hill because I mean, I can only hold that candle for so long, and it's already Wax been. It's already been 20, over 20 years. Uh, I imagine that wax gets hot. It's going to burn your hand yeah, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. The candle has burned. I'm holding the wick with my fingers, <laughs> with two fingers right now. That's how long <laughs> I've held that candle. Good luck. <laughs> um, Let's get her. So, uh, yeah, that's enough. Okay, so uh, Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. All right, so um, there's a band called Anne Berlin, and um, the bio says they're broken up, but I, I mean, you you said you saw that they were going to be playing a show, so I, I don't know. But their singer has a um, a side project. I'm going to call it a side project at this point because we don't know if they've broken up or not, called Anchor and Braille. Not nearly as popular as Anne Berlin was or is. We don't know. But... Um, Still really good stuff. It's way more synthy, alternative type stuff. Um, this one's called No Ordinary. 
I mean, it's really good. I mean, it's really like it's almost kind of like in Berlin, just with synth. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is No Ordinary by Anchor and Braille, and we'll be right back. Tension, and you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. Uh, just got some news here, Ben. Um, I know it's All not. Right. Uh, we talked about the NBA drafts on the last episode, the draft lottery, but it looks like the Lakers and the Clippers have voted to boycott the rest of the season. What? Over, over the over the recent shooting in Kenosha? Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, wow. This was supposed to be LeBron's year. That there must be some very very strong feelings. Um uh, nice. This is from Sham Sharania. We all, oh, he's from, legit. He's pretty yes, legit. From the Shams Athletic. Is legit. <laughs> um, he says, according to his sources, the Lakers and Clippers have voted to boycott the NBA season. Most other teams voted to continue. LeBron James has exited the meeting. There was a, a meeting where all the players in the bubble um, came out to discuss what they wanted to do. So, um, yeah. 
I bet you there's that one team that's like, man, this is our chance, man. <laughs> With LeBron going, this is our chance, man. <laughs> so I'm on, I see on Twitter, Bucks winning it all. That's if they don't decide to to sit out. And of course, like you know, Kawhi doesn't care. He's like, well, I mean, I'm still technically a defending champ. So, <laughs> wow, holy crap. Look, that man, is some, huge. Some people just don't feel right playing, and you can't really blame them for that. Like when the Bucks, the like it, it started with the Bucks not coming to the court before the game started, and it's like the game starts at four. It's like three fifty-five, and they haven't yeah. come out to the court yet. Orlando's already out there, and then uh, and then the the Bucks were still discussing it, and then they said, "Okay, we're we're boycotting. We're not coming out to play." So, um, oh, and, uh, okay, he put out another tweet. Miami's Udonis Haslam spoke and essentially told everyone in the room that without the Lakers and Clippers, how will the season continue? LeBron James had walked out and the rest of the Lakers and Clippers left behind him. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I just saw something from Jeff Smith said, oh, you don't hear us. And well, now you can't see us. (laughs) And not to get too political, because I absolutely support what they're doing. If you feel conviction about something, do it. The thing is, this isn't going to like the people who the people who care enough to watch the NBA, their minds aren't going to change. The NBA has a pretty liberal fan base. Um across the board. So they're pre they're essentially, in my opinion, they're preaching to the choir where I think this would have a huge impact would be the NFL. But I don't think the NFL is brave enough to do this. I just don't think they are. Jerry Jones ain't doing this. No offense. I know you like the Cowboys, but Jerry Jones ain't doing this. Sean uh, just put another tweet. Mike. He said, every team besides the Lakers and Clippers voted to continue playing. LeBron said in a meeting he wants owners to be more involved and take action. So he wants the owners to force their hand. Everybody ain't, 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 ain't you, LeBron. But, I mean, this is this is more complex than just the surf, on, the, on the surface level. Um, I do think it should be a choice. Um, but this is, yeah, this is, this is very interesting. This is, I mean, will this be the point in the history books where they're like, and everything changed like, or if this was a a Ken Burns documentary, (laughs) someone writing letters from the bubble, Ken Burns jr. Does he have a kid to make documentaries in, in like 20 or 30 years about the year 2020 and just everything that happened? I don't know if it's Ken Burns jr., but I think he does have a son. We have to find out if he's a documentarian. Like that, that just has to happen. He has to. Uh, yeah. This is this is wild, yeah, though, this man. Is, this is this is wild. Yeah, the uh, um, the Brewers and the Reds canceled their game, and then the Giants and Dodgers were supposed to play tonight. Uh, they canceled their game. Well, postponed, postponed their game. So. Um, I don't know what it's going to also. I mean, with the NFL, the season hasn't started yet, but I know the Lions postponed their practice. They canceled practice. Um, I about the Packers. 
the the Packers did they cancel practice too? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. It happened in their state. Uh, I've only heard about yeah. the Lions doing something as far as any NFL teams. Yeah, NFL is a different beast. That that's where, if you really want to, I mean, that's let's be honest, that's where this all kind of started, so to yeah. speak. I mean, I know it started in the streets, but like this whole, you know, with athletes, you know, speak because I know. Um, you know, going back to the Olympics, I can't remember the athlete that that they held up the black fist, glove fist, and then you had um, the player in the '90s who played for the Nuggets, whose name I can't remember. Oh, Mahmoud. Uh, Mahmoud Roof. Yeah. Um, he also, you know, so not discounting what they did back in the day, because I imagine that was even scarier back then in a city like Denver, Jesus. Um, but like you know, in the recent memory with this latest. Um, wave, it, you know, it started in the NFL and I think it should, I don't know if it's cliche to say it should come full circle <laughs> into the NFL, you know, I'd be curious, but as, and I don't always agree with Colin Cowherd, but he makes a good point. And this was years ago. They're about, they're all about the shield. They don't care about the individual player. It is all about the shield. So, you know, in the NFL, you don't have players really express themselves as much because it goes against the brand. Whereas in the NBA, you know, especially after David Stern left, express yourself, bro. So I'd be very curious to see what the NFL does because I think that's where this thing can really get some steam. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll have to see uh, what what transpires after. Um, when does the season kick off? Uh, I know it's the... First Thursday in September. After twenty eight to three, I don't really pay attention as much. So, I think it's September. Th- okay, it's not the third. It's got to be the tenth. Yeah, I think it's September tenth. Okay. And then we'll see. The first I'm, I'm curious. Sunday would be um, uh, the what's that? The thirteenth. So yeah, something like that. Oof. Man, that's that's heavy. <laughs> that is so heavy. <laughs> All right, so let's get back Honestly, to our something topic lighter. here. Um, so we started the show with the song That Don't Impress Me Much by one Shania Twain. And we're going to be talking about her album, which is uh, become the best-selling country music album of all time. Yeah, the best-selling studio album by a female act, the -hmm. best-selling album by a Canadian, and is the ninth all-time best-selling album in America and the 15th best-selling album in the UK. And, of course, we're talking about Come On Over from 1997. What a year in music that was. Man. It's a great year in music. Um... Jeez, this, this it's almost like it's one of those songs, those albums like it needs no introduction, but the introduction that you give it is just like, and then, and then, and there's more, and there's more, yeah. This song, this this album was huge. There's no other way to put it. So, what we've talked about, you know, when we talked about albums, um. You know, we've done an episode on George Michael's Faith, uh, Bruce Hornsby, uh, Michael Jackson's, the, I think we did Dangerous. Bad. Right? 
many bad co- and okay yeah we covered both yeah um even bruno mars um well with bruno mars bruce hornsby and george michael nine songs on the album <laughs> yeah <laughs> um with this one 16 songs on the original version and a different 16 on the international version. I wanted to know if if you listen to both versions because uh, there's, there's a, the international version was remixed to sound more pop. Yeah. And I've listened to both. Yeah. Cause I, I heard um, uh, the, the, the pop version, I guess of that don't impress me much. And I, I hated it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the dance hall, not dance hall, but the um, house beat to it yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care for that. Um, but then again, I am a little biased to live instruments. So yeah. But I mean, that's <laughs> this album is one of the biggest of all times. You've got a country singer with international appeal. Um, and on top of that, you've got a producer that is, when he comes onto this, he's already one of the most accomplished and successful producers of all time. Yeah. So it was just going to, and so just to kind of give you an idea, so Robert Mutt Lang, um, the British producer who produced this album, just to kind of give you an idea of what he has done uh, before this. Uh, He's uh he's South African. Oh, he's South African? Yeah. Oh, I I you know what? I knew that because when we looked it up, I was like, oh, he's from Rhodesia, Northern Rhodesia. And um it, I it made me think about something Bomani Jones said a few years back about something that I'm not gonna talk about because I'm not gonna give this person credit. We'll talk about it offline. But okay. I remember reading that and be like, oh, that place doesn't exist anymore. It's not called that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um so he produced Highway to Hell by a little band you might have heard of called ACDC oh. and also produced Back in Black. Um, he basically, I mean, you could say he was the Smokey Robinson to Def Leppard. Yes. Because everything that was big for them, he produced. Um, Brian Adams, Michael Bolton, um, The Cars. Like he, it wasn't like this was just some guy off the street. <laughs> that they brought in to produce this album and oh we hope it it gets big no he was oh, you and, know one of the and for those you know he did not peak here because since then oh no no Nickelback, no <laughs> maroon five muse yeah so uh oh he's all, these were hit albums too. uh also he produced tracks for the backstreet boys uh celine dion britney spears lady gaga Huey Lewis in the News, Billy Ray Cyrus. I believe he was played by McIntyre. Um, <laughs> uh, God, what was his name? Um, the guy who played all the nerds in the eighties. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall played. Yes, played Anthony him Michael Hall the, played him in the <laughs> the movie. The VH1 version. movie. The VH1, the VH1 original movie. movie. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh God, he the scene where they he helped them write photograph. still stands out to me but yeah i mean this guy was you know a bona fide you know super producer and met and fell in love with and married shania twain um so you know of course they come together they make good music 
Um, they do eventually. It, it does not end happy. Um, if I remember correctly, he cheats on her. <laughs> Um, and they end up getting divorced later down the road, which honestly I didn't know about maybe until about a year or so ago. I thought they, to this day, they were, they were still together, you know? Uh, Um, they, yeah, he cheated on her with her best friend and then Shania mm -hmm. Twain ends up marrying her, I guess, former best friend's husband. (laughs) Uh, That's a country song in itself. Yeah. It sounds like a made for CMT movie. (laughs) I'm surprised they haven't made movies, man. <laughs> uh, um, so apparently yeah. how this started is that <laughs> he got in touch with, he heard Shania Twain's music and got in touch with her and they talked on the phone and they were talked on the phone for six months before they actually met in person. I could see that. I mean, the world was a lot, a lot bigger back then. Um, you know, right now is is easy, even if you are rich. But just like, I, I mean, you, you didn't have things like Skype. You know, you're talking on the phone. You're international. She's Canadian. Canadian. He is South African or wherever he was living at the time. So, um, I could see that happening because I, I heard when they met though it was it was magical. Apparently, he treated her like a queen, <laughs> gave her whatever she wanted, and just you know. And granted, I mean, I'm not saying she's not talented, but he just. He just really treated her very special and just kind of won her over in that sense. Yeah. Um, so with this album, uh, what I one thing I didn't know, and it kind of makes sense. I thought Michael Jackson having seven singles from Bad was a lot. Yeah. This album had 12, 12 Out of a 16 singles track album. Over the course yeah. of two and a half years. Yeah. Twelve singles. That well, who that that may never happen ever again. Well, I think that when so like looking at kind of the lead up to it, <clears throat> so the first album, her self titled, um, he came in and produces produces her second album, The Woman and Me, um, and it's funny because it's like you know you have that album. So one of the things we talked about on when we talked about the album um, Bad, how do you follow up one of the biggest albums of all time? you know, which in Thriller, and it's not like, you know, Bad was no slouch at all. The Woman and Me, and I I remember, you know, seeing her performing. It was kind of like her coming out party in America. She performs on some American Music Awards show, and she does the If You're Not In It For Love, and I remember they're like, Shania Twain, like, she's going to take over. Um, The Woman and Me, at the time, ended up being the biggest country album of all time at at its record at its time. Sold 4 million copies, eventually goes 12 times platinum. So it's just like, well, man, you just released one of the biggest albums of all time. How do you follow it up with the biggest album of all time <laughs> for, for your genre and for a female? It's just like, it was kind of like, you know, okay, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, it doesn't always happen. I guess that's why I say it. Like, that doesn't always happen. When you have one of the biggest things of all time, it's very rare that you top it by having another biggest thing like beating it. And that's what she did. Um, so to date, the album has sold more than 40 million copies, 20 million alone in the United States. Um, 15 million of those copies. So 20 million shipped 15.7 million copies being were sold. So that means there's roughly about four and a half million out there sitting in stores. That's actually a very interesting kind of thought that you could walk into a Best Buy or Walmart and find a copy 
of uh well actually I don't they don't sell they don't sell music at Walmart anymore, do they? They stop that. They still sell music at Walmart. Oh, they do. I haven't been to Walmart in a minute, so I know they sell video games. Um but I mean that's that's insane just to think, you know, and I felt like listening to this record from the get-go, I think that they want they wanted to make this the biggest thing that you could ever think of just from the songwriting to the production, everything, it, it felt like Robert Mutt Lang, and I'm just going to call him Mutt. Mutt Lang was just kind of like, no, we're, he was swinging for the fences here. Like, I think he went into this with an all or nothing kind of feel with, you know, him and Shania writing all the tracks together. Um, I, my, the first note I made on this, Greg was, I consider this arena country. Hmm. I felt like that's what they were going for. You know, so kind of like that, how that makes sense. But go ahead. Kanye wanted songs that he could play after watching you too. He's like, I need songs that I can play in a stadium. I think that's where they were kind of going here. I could Big see that songs. because there was uh, I can't remember which song it was from from coming over that I listened to, him, and the first thing that popped in my head was, this sounds like. This sounds like a Def Leppard song. Um, oh, well, I mean, I was gonna say, like, man, I feel like a woman starts out with the um with the um cowbell. Very similar to um Rock of Ages. <laughs> um Let's go. Okay, now I'm not thinking of man, I feel like a woman. I'm thinking of um hmm. oh, might not have been that one. Uh that don't impress me much, which starts out a little bit you know. Mm, that wasn't it either. That sounds like Running Down a Dream <laughs> by Tom Petty. It might have been this one. This is Love Kiss Me Every Time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, these were songs you can play in stadiums. Or it might have been this. It was this. Honey, I'm oh, home. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes, this is the one yeah. I thought. This sounds like Death Leopard. <laughs> it has it has that pour some sugar on me tempo. Oh yeah. <laughs> like they were they were swinging for the fences here. They wanted a record that you could promote for a long time because she didn't tour. So she did not tour off of her last album, The Woman and Me. Mm -hmm. And from reading interviews, she said that she didn't feel that she had the reason why she didn't feel like she had good enough music to tour with. So like she wants to, you know, she's probably looking over there at someone like a Garth Brooks who, you know, we're talking about Shania Twain right now. Garth Brooks, you're on deck eventually. Um, he was also one of the biggest country stars of the 90s. She's probably looking at him and saying, I need to be more like that. Now, I haven't read interviews that say that, but like, I can't imagine that you don't look at Garth Brooks and be like, how can I be the female Garth Brooks? Where I'm playing sold out arenas. To this day, he's still playing sold out arenas. Yeah. So you so think I, there was a? So you're saying you think there was a um, that she couldn't live up to that? Well, no, I don't think she. I don't think it's that she can live up to that. I think they went into. I think they went into this album with that in mind, saying we need to make music that can be played in large arenas, that can be. I think he wanted to cross over. Um, I, I I think he had all of these things in mind when when putting this album together. Because when you listen to it, how could you not? You know, with the way the songs are written, um, 
these songs are written for they were written to be played loud with thousands of people singing along I, that's just what I think. And I mean, like, you th- you look at some of, you know, you look at the career of um, of Garth Brooks. First, the um, his albums, he's had um, No Fences, which I think was one of his first albums. He had 1990, 18 million copies. Like, Garth Brooks was that dude. Um, and I think they're looking at that and you're looking at the type of songs that he's doing and you start to notice, like, his songs have a little bit of a rock influence. Okay, so how can we let's maybe add some rock influence? Mutt Lang is good at that. We know that he's he's very good at that. So, and I mean, like maybe this is like a take that you know I get some clout for, but I really think that they were trying to make her the the female Garth Brooks. And an album like this is how you do it. Um, it looked like the uh, part of the plan also was to. Uh break away from the conventional country music formula. Oh yeah. Uh, we have country pop and I think that's part of why you had that international version of the Mm -hmm. album, uh, to make country, um, more of make it more popular, not make it sound so niche, I guess you might say, because Mm -hmm. some, some artists have been able to break through Garth Brooks had broken through, in a way at the time, um, you know, I, I, I had heard of some other country artists, um, uh, before then, you know, like Randy Travis and Alan Jackson. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows Dolly Parton. Georgia native. <laughs> uh, everyone knows Dolly Parton and, uh, I guess John, you could say Johnny Cash was there too. Yeah. Um, uh, who's another one? Um, Uh, what country Travis singers Tritt. back then? Yeah, Travis Tritt, George Strait, Clint Black. Yeah, to a degree, um, Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah. <laughs> uh, They're just thinking of someone with crossover appeal, of course. You know? Yeah, and I think yeah. like with with some of them, like with with Billy Ray Cyrus, for a long time, I I would consider him a one hit wonder. I get as far as pop goes because he had the one song to yeah. crossover. And I think at the time people looked at country artists when they broke through, uh, maybe as a novelty act. Yeah. I think a little bit because it's, and, and and really all music is like this, but it has its own style. And of course, then there's the, the backlash and this is going to sound weird coming from, you know, uh, two guys who talk about being urban, but there's a, a little bit of a stereotype for your country music fan. You know, um, and you can look no further than how Billy Ray Cyrus looked back in the 90s. He had a mullet. Mullets are not considered cool. Let's just be real. Mullets are not considered cool. In 91, Um, yes, they were, especially in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you played for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But there's, you know, there's the stereotypical, you know, country music fan is, you know, Someone who's lower income, because you know, country music for the most part is 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 working is blue collar music. Um, so you you you're you're taking this music that is essentially going through a transition, and I really don't want to think that this was the transition into bro country that we have nowadays, because I did read and hear some people who, 
you know, kind of compared this album as paving the way for like an artist like a Taylor Swift. Um, with them being two female country artists that really crossed over to having this huge, huge mainstream pop success and never really quite looking back. Um, but what they essentially what they were trying to do in the 90s was find a way to make this music that had maybe these negative stereotypes yeah. and make it popular. Um, because there was a, there's a fan base there, but you know, how do we add to that fan base? Kind of like, you know, when you're, you're big in Japan, you're big in Europe. All right. How do we get the Backstreet Boys big in the United States? You know, we, we got to start appealing to a wider audience. So you get songs like, man, I feel like a woman, um, that is catchy. It's a little, it's got a twang to it, but you know, if you take out some of that twang, you know, maybe you can, that's a pop song. Um, or even kind of skipping around here, a song that I think had huge, huge crossover success. You're still the one. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. So, uh, so this is man. I feel like a woman. Uh, it's got, yeah, it's got a nice little steady beat, you know, but you know, you don't really hear the fiddles and stuff until like a little bit later. But you get that nice little catchy hook. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mutt Lang wrote that. Um, I really expected looking to see that he played everything, too. I really did, but um, he did not. He just did some background vocals, it looks like. <laughs> um, with this one, this is, this is the, I think this was the first one, the first song I heard. And this was actually the eighth single. <laughs> <laughs> at the yeah. time, so the so the album had been out for a year and a half at this time, um, but uh, one thing I do remember about about this particular song, the uh, the homage to Robert Palmer's "Addicted to Love." Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so very yeah, interesting I'll, imagery there because I also was reading that this is a low key feminist album, um, because there's a lot of tropes that she took and made them work for women. And looking at, you know, and and putting them through like women empowerment, like, man, I feel like a woman making it, I, I could you know, that. making it cool. I'm a woman or um, that don't impress me much. Or even the song that that sounds like the um, honey, I'm home. You know, a lot of these songs kind of have a woman's empowerment kind of feel to them. And I was like, oh, OK, I, I kind of see that, too. Um. This was uh, I, I I could I see where you're going there as far as like uh, because I mean you can just look at the titles I I'm I'm not familiar with all of the songs but you do have man I feel like a woman uh, if you want to touch her ask yeah <laughs> um uh so I mean it, that don't impress me much of course as you mentioned so there was uh there was that effort i guess to kind of show that okay yeah she may be you know yes she's she's as a woman she's fallen in love and gotten married but she's still going to make music that will uh she's not just going to be that she's not going to fall into the background or, or have she may have the super producer husband but it's not like he's going to dictate everything that she's going to do with her career yeah exactly uh, so all that comes about in the music. Um, I, w I would agree with that. Uh, mm -hmm. 
But yeah, this is the first song I heard, and the album had been out forever at that point. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty I think funny. for me, it was um, from um, You're Still the One was the first one that I heard. Um, which apparently she did not, she was not 100% comfortable with power ballads. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I refer to these songs as proven, proving songs. Um, because this is where as a vocalist, you, you kind of prove your worth because of the way that these songs are written. They typically require a lot of range um, and a lot of dynamics. And I think she wrote songs that are, you know, to this day, these these songs are still being covered, you know? Yeah. As songs that you sing to prove that you can sing. That's why, And that's why I call them proving songs. Um, and a song like this, it had, so apparently when she was writing these, um, she had Celine Dion in mind. And I can totally hear that on this one and from this moment on. She had Celine Dion in mind. And Mutt Lang was like, no, you need to sing these songs. These need to be your songs. Because she's a good singer. Um, and I think she proved to a lot of people that she she can sing with these songs. And they're enduring. They still You can still turn on an adult contemporary station and hear this song. Over 20 years old, you can hear this song still. In um, pretty good rotation. Uh, the thing with this song that I remember a lot is, uh, I think I, I've mentioned this playlist a couple of times on that I have on Spotify, called the VH1 All-Stars. Oh yeah, this was totally... This was... <laughs> this seemed like it was number one on the VH1 Top 20 Countdown for months. Like, yeah. maybe six months straight, and I'm not exaggerating. I may be way off, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, it was everywhere that year, and... I still remember. So this was, and I mean, like, you know, we've talked about this. I've talked about this. You've talked about this. Brandon's talked about this. And what we've talked about is being a black kid that didn't listen to all black music growing up. Yeah. So this was one of those artists that I knew about that not a lot of black people knew about. When this came out, that changed. <laughs> and I remember being, you know, I was in Jack and Jill as a kid. Don't sue me. Um, I was at our team, our Southeastern team conference, and I remember um, two girls that I knew in my chapter singing this song and being kind of taken aback that they knew who she was and they knew this song and they liked it. That it, I remember it threw me off. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> a, it that, wasn't a secret anymore. <laughs> it wasn't like this was the that and that's true crossover appeal. I know that that might sound kind of myopic. But like to, to when you're that artist and because this was not that common back in the 90s, you know, to see black people singing a country artist's songs. OK, cool. You have that true crossover appeal. As someone said, like, I don't listen to country, but I like Shania Twain. Yeah, you hear a lot, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and this was one of those songs mm -hmm. that just it was everywhere. And of course, the music video, of course, you know, she's. She's good looking. Let's just throw that out there. Um, you know, the the videos helped. You know, she's in she's front and center in every video. This one was black and white. She's on the beach. Um, they really they man the the marketing machine behind this video behind this album. You know, putting out a video like this is just it was crazy. Yeah, this was definitely you're still the one. Is definitely the one that like that was that was the breakthrough. Uh, I think at it had to be at that point that everybody knows her name everybody knows yeah. who this is mm -hmm. uh and it crossed her like you said you know it's uh you hear 
black girl singing it. I uh, said it's on VH1. It was nominated for a VMA. The first yeah. country, she's the first female country artist to be nominated uh, for a VMA. Um, it's played on the, not one, well, of course, the country station, but played on the pop stations as yeah. well. So, and the, and when you hear it, it's still, it's a country song still, but mm -hmm. I think the way that it was produced and put together and the, the content of the song is going to appeal to a wide audience. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't, it is, it, okay, you hear it, it is country, but it doesn't like, it doesn't alienate uh, non-country listeners. Yeah. I I think also she does a good job of, and I feel bad saying that, but she doesn't really sing with a, a twang on a lot of these songs. Yeah. So it's just like, it's not one of those things where it's just like, ugh, that's kind of off-putting. Like she just sings it like a singer. Not well, to say yeah, that it's a I, bad thing to sell like a country I, singer, And I think that's part of why, like, there was this, that's why there's this international version <laughs> of the yeah. album uh, to where it's it's more poppy, it, it's house. Yeah. Um, because, like, her her voice is versatile enough to where it doesn't, um, like I said, it doesn't alienate the a non-country yeah. listener. Not trying to hate on nobody. We are from Georgia. So yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of people in my family with very thick southern country accents. So not trying to hate on nobody. But well, she's Canadian. I mean, I think so... that kind of helps. Yeah, she's Canadian, you know? <laughs> Which is why I, I maintain that you are you will sound like what influences you. You'll sing like what influences you. You know, Keith Urban is Australian. Surprise! And look at how he sounds. Some people you know? are finding that out for the first time. Yeah, some people didn't know that. Like, yeah, Keith Urban, but he probably grew up listening to the country. I don't know his story, but you know, he pulls it off well. Um, but on in her case, yeah, she's singing, you know, in a very kind of, you know, um, just regular accent. You know, she's not really, you know, throwing it out there. And I think that really helps her in terms of of having that international appeal. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who thought that she was American. Um, okay, I want to check something out here with this international version. Um, okay, so you heard you're still the one playing in the background. That's from the original. This is the international version. I want to know what the difference is. When I first saw you, I saw playing with those brushes. That's so that's so Nashville. <laughs> playing with brushes on the on the drum kit. I felt love. Got the Hammond organ coming in on the front end. You're still the one I love. Mm, yeah. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come. I don't hear a difference. I still hear the mandolin come in. Maybe there's no slide guitar, but I don't remember. Is there even slide guitar in the in the country version? I think there was a slide guitar solo in the original. Oh, I, you know what? I think there was. Yeah, on a dobro. A dobro being um, so there's you know you have the lap guitars that you know go through amplifiers. Dobros are typically they're acoustic style guitars with metal over where the sound hole would be. Um, you play it similar to a to a, a lap steel set, but it's acoustic. Yeah. 
Shout out to Josh Eaton. He used to play a dobro all the time. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's very Yeah, I'm not subtle. hearing much of a difference. The guitar still sounds kind of twangy. Sounds like they either played, I'm going to go ahead and be stereotypical and say they played a Telecaster. Um, <laughs> just because I just like to believe that that's all they play. <laughs> now, Nashville. I will, I would like where we talked about with the different versions. We started the show with that don't impress you much. That was from the original. This is the international version. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, did someone just listen to Believe by Cher? Like we need <laughs> I know what to do with this remix. Like I get I get upset when I hear that on the radio. When I hear this version. <laughs> But I bet you this one was a, was huge in the clubs. It, it, <laughs> I don't know what clubs. Say <laughs> <laughs> them UK dance clubs, man. <laughs> Does Canadian dance clubs too? <laughs> I guess. I guess you could say a, um, a budding Chad Kroger heard this and he knew the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. That's enough. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, apparently there was only the song rock. This country was the only song to stay the same on both versions. Yeah. I, I don't know how you change that one. <laughs> so, I don't yeah. Know. Um, what other songs from the album kind of stick out to you? I mean, there's, there were so many, uh, yeah, so... all these singles. So, yeah, so I mean, all, yeah, and that's the thing, like, because even when I'm I'm listening, and I was like, oh, I really like the song "When." That wasn't a single. Oh wait, it was. It was in the UK. <laughs> <It was>. So, <laughs> um, it's it's. I mean, like, I like the song "When." Honey, I'm home. As as we play a little bit, was a really good one. That's a big one. I'm willing to bet if we can find a set list from the um, from the tour, I'm willing to bet "Honey, I'm Home" was a, was an opener. Like, that's just that's a song that you can vamp on. Um, and I'm going to see if I can find a set list from that tour. Cause I, I, I'm willing to bet that was an opener for her shows. Cause it just sounds so big. Um, let's see with the live a, album. Uh, okay. I'm going to get you good. That's from up, I believe. Uh, which I felt like was, um, come on over part two. Like, I felt like they were just trying to like, trying to recapture. Like, the magic. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know how you do. It and was just also, it was just it's such like an album. five years later. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of the other thing. Like it, it was a big lull kind of in between. Oh, I found the tour. Okay. Come on over tour. Um, but I don't see a set list. Yeah. On the, the live album, this is from her, she had a Vegas residency in 2015. Uh, Honey, I Home was is track 10, but I'm sure this isn't like the exact order every single show. Did she come to Atlanta? She did not come to Atlanta. That's unfortunate. Not even to uh, Six Flags like Depeche Mode? <laughs> I figured, honestly, though, like she would probably, I, I was like, I could see her hitting somewhere like Augusta. Like I, I could just see it happen. Oh, she did a second stint. Yeah, she hit Atlanta. She played at um, Lakewood Amphitheater. 
oh, I bet that was a, I bet that was a packed show. Yeah. Cause this was 98. So this is after it had really picked up some steam. Yeah. And then she came back to America and hit up Houston in 99. Yeah. So she toured for about three years off of this album. Yeah. So then she came back. So, okay. So this was when it was really big. She came back in November 18th, 1999. And she was like, I'm not going to play Coca-Cola Lakewood Amphitheater. I got Phillips. <laughs> she played Phillips that that next leg Texas Stadium New Orleans Arena Phillips Arena BJCC Arena Greensboro Coliseum First Star Center M- MCI that's a throwback that's where <laughs> MCI Center so that's now so yeah she's just yeah the Capital that's Verizon Center, Center right oh Capital One now Capital it changed One. again <laughs> Um, so it's funny because you can just kind of see it picking up steam yeah, and the venues getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it, it looks like know, by the time ninety uh, nine came around that okay now she's playing the because she started ninety nine she played in Vegas and then she played in Miami and then she went to Australia and then came back to North America now she's playing the Astrodome and yeah now, and then she's playing in uh, uh, Ottawa. Uh, okay, so she did Canada for a while. Then came back to America, Arco Arena, the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the United Center, <laughs> the Palace at Auburn Hills, the Target Center. So, uh, I probably around late '98. Well, through throughout '98, she's playing. I guess the cities where you think they're country fans, like she's playing, yeah. uh, Rockford, Illinois. Terre Haute, Indiana, <laughs> Evansville, <laughs> Indiana. That's like where Buddy Holly and the Charleston, play. <laughs> West Virginia, Lexington, Kentucky, East Lansing, Michigan. So it's I'm, the I'm it's, pretty it's sure just that's where those Buddy like the crickets. just those country music sounding towns and Waylon Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> but then once it picks up, okay, now she's playing Chicago. Uh, Boston, New York. The payouts get bigger. <laughs> Portland. Uh, I mean, Atlanta is one of those places, but the these were small towns, man. I mean, consider small towns in comparison. Yeah. All right. So I was. She, she'll far never play off. a. She'll never play a show in Terre Haute, Indiana again. <laughs> no, not unless it's like the the dive bar tour, like uh, what's her name did um, Lady Gaga. Um, all right. So I wasn't far off. So she opened with man. I feel like a woman. The second song was honey. I'm home. Um, the show. So the show ends with from this moment on, which I think really blew her up too, because in that song, that was the first, that was the first time she didn't look like a country star. Like in that video she has on this really nice dress. She was fully channeling her Celine Dion which I've heard Celine Dion is like very competitive, so that probably pissed her off. <laughs> but like she was like fully in her Celine Dion. So she ends with From This Moment On. And then her encore was the only other song that I felt like before this was Arena Ready, If You're Not In This For Love, um, which has a big kind of clapping but that's from, part uh, in the hook. That's from The Woman In Me, right? Yeah. But that was the only one where I felt like that was Arena Ready because it has a big clapping part in it. Um, before the hook comes in and then she ended on uh, Rock This Country. So she knew what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. and this was, um, 
you know, kind of the more exposure I got to Shania Twain is, do you remember when VH1 had like those divas concerts? Oh yeah, she was she was a mainstay for a little she, bit. She was on there. I mean, and it was we're talking about the the divas of the time as far as like it's Aretha Franklin, Celine Dion, Mariah mm-hmm. Carey. I feel like Whitney Houston was on there, or maybe they tried to get her and she declined because it's VH1 and not you know MTV <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but I know, um, I think Reba McIntyre might have been on there, and and of course you know Celine Dion, Shania Twain. But mm-hmm. I I would I could I like that's the first thing I thought of when you said that Celine Dion is it looks competitive. <laughs> so oh, I've heard Celine Dion is just like. Like, yeah, she is all like she is she is good and she knows it. <laughs> and Let you know, like I here. said, okay. like when she wrote these two songs, okay, this especially is especially that one. This she was had the, her in mind. This was the first one in ninety eight. Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Aretha Franklin, Gloria Estefan, and Shania Twain. Guest uh, with a guest performance by Carol King. Oh, that was cool to bring her on there. Uh, man, yeah, these shows used to mean something too, man. <laughs> Whitney Houston was on it the next year with Tina Turner, Cher, and Brandy. Uh, and also okay. Mary J. Blige, Shaka Khan, Faith Hill, and Leanne Rhymes. Faith Hill. Now that is someone who tried to do. I what think Shania she, she reaped did, the benefits but... of Shania Twain's stardom. I think because she did. then people like, this went kiss... looked to other went to other um looked at other country singers yeah as who could cross I, over yeah and i think they really tried and it just it didn't work and it's not because she's not talented but i just don't think they had the secret sauce you had to have the secret sauce and mutt lang knew what to do i, I think garth brooks kind of laid down the um laid down the foundation the blueprint and Mutt Lang was just like, I think I can do better. Not saying he did better or worse, but I mean, he basically was just like, oh no, I can, I got this. You know um, what, you and know he what? used all the things he learned making some of the biggest rock albums of all time and applied it to this. I think with Faith Hill just looking at, but like this, with Come On Over, more specifically, everything was written by Shania Twain and Mutt Lang together yeah or some combination maybe there's one other person i'm i can't pull up the the list right now exactly oh no it's, it's all all of them were all of them were <laughs> written by shania twain and mutt lang together right yeah all songs were with faith hill's album faith which i feel like is the one that was the the big one um there's different songwriters for every song well because she's no she's working within the vein of how most country singers write, you know, work, you know, you go in and you pick from a catalog. You have these songwriters, you know, writers row, songwriters row, and you pick these songs. Like, you know, you, you try to get placed as a songwriter and you go and you pick. Every now and then you might hear a song that you that you like. I believe um, it was Faith Hill that recorded Cry by Andrea Perro, who Pera. is an Atlanta singer songwriter. But for the most part, you're picking from a catalog of, of the best songs, and a lot of them are typically already completed. You just come in and you follow the reference singer and you um, and you put down your own song. But the, the, the key difference here is 
Shania Twain and, and Mutt Lang got together and they crafted this. This was their creation. And I think that's, you know, that's why it worked because I mean, like, can you honestly imagine, you know, pitching this, walking into who is, what was the record company she was with at the time? She was with Mercury. You walk in and you say, hey, we want to make her the female version of Garth Brooks and make one of the biggest country records of all time. And you're just like, I mean, why not just make another The Woman in Me? Well, because you want to be bigger. Nah, uh, you want to be bigger than The Woman in Me? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I imagine that was a very tough, you know. <laughs> they they <laughs> thought like, well, that sounds very pick. ambitious and impossible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough thing to, you know, to do. You know, and I always go back and I'm always wonder like, man, when they're in the studio, like I wonder that like as some of these, you know, huge albums as they're in the studio, are they thinking like, yeah, this is going to be one of the biggest albums? And I really think that they were in the studio like, yeah, this is going to be one of the biggest albums of all time. Like, I truly think they thought that. I really do. I don't think that's always thought, but I really do think that they thought because they were swinging for the fences, man. Like they were swinging for the fences here, and it worked. It totally worked. Yeah, they had they they had to go. They like you said they 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 went big, um, creating this arena country type of sound, um, and you know if she felt she wasn't ready to tour off of the previous album because the songs didn't feel big enough or whatever, or comparing herself to Garth Brooks, whatever it might have been, uh. So they had to, they, they, like you said, they, they swung for the fences because, uh, I don't, it, it's, it's something they felt like they had to do to, mm -hmm. you know, take this, take this to the next level. I mean, and the album did so well, it was like, oh, we, we can do better than that. I mean, <laughs> that's, that sounds insane, it's, it's but very, it's, it's, it's very bold, but it's, you know, it's something that. You know, if you felt like you left something on the table uh, with the previous project, then then why not? So I can yeah. I definitely appreciate that. Um, it was funny, too. It's like the first yeah. listed musician. I know they're in alphabetical order, but Bruce Bolton, uh, he toured extensively with Garth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of looking through some of these musicians, you know, he went and got, you know, some rock people. Um, Larry Byram um, was in the band Steppenwolf, so I mean he he went and got some rock musicians and some and some country musicians, but you know I'm willing to bet like the more you look through here is he brought together a very eclectic group of musicians um, to add to to add to this, you know like granted you know you've got a a cadre of just really good musicians in Nashville period, but you know I I don't think it's ironic that he got somebody who played with um with Garth Brooks or he got some he got people that were rock musicians and country musicians because you you know you you, you don't want to just have one voice in the room or one type of voice in the room man it's it's crazy that like like now it's got me thinking cuz i i'm looking at the other Faith Hill albums and mm -hmm. it's the same formula and do you think that's still the same for a lot of artists today as far as country artists to where like she Faith Hill has produced was been producing her albums, but uh, yeah. it's a lot of these songs. It's like different songwriters and it's some yeah. that have been like, 
like Diane Warren wrote something, Sheryl Crow, Bruce Springsteen. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, This Kiss was Beth Chapman, Beth Nielsen Chapman. Um, That's a cool song. But so it's it makes like, me wonder if you get that one, you know, that person that you click with, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I think I mentioned this before. Like you, with a lot of rappers, they, and I guess in the early the eighties and nineties or whatever, you work with one producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nas kind of broke away from that with Illmatic because it was like five mm-hmm. different producers. Yeah. Um, and now that's the norm. <laughs> now, now it's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like no one produces more than what two or three tracks on your album. Yeah, and and that's and be, even that's a lot. <laughs> and you know, there. I mean, there are some albums. There, there have been some albums since then to where okay, this guy worked with maybe just two producers, um, or the singles are all from the same producer, something to that effect. Kind of like Jay Z mm-hmm. working with Pharrell or Timbaland or something like that. Yeah. Um. But what do you do? You think is it weird, or do you think like it's just an anomaly that this particular album, uh, it's two people doing everything, well, writing all the music together and producing it together, uh, all all of the songs, and not just picking from a catalog. I now, in terms of, do I think that lent to a success? I do. I do think it yeah, lent to a success. Yeah. Because, because you have Mutt Lang, who is one of the most successful rock producers, um, and is was known for giving you know one of the UK's biggest rock bands its sound. Yeah, he knew exactly what you needed to do. He he came in and knew this is how you create that sound that's going to push you over. You know, Def Leppard had a lot of crossover appeal. You know, they had songs to this day. You know, talk to somebody and and say, step inside, walk this way. You and me, hey, hey. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, yeah, pour some sugar. Like, they're going to get it, you know. So he he had the formula. And I mean, if anything, this might have been a challenge for him. He might have like, hey, you know, I haven't conquered country. But we kind of had conquered country music. But now he really conquered country music. And I think, you know, having that voice really kind of helped that experience. And, and those two voices together in the room gave you that consistency. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what we've seen through history where you have that one singer or that artist that works with the same producer. We've talked about Janet Jackson work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, it seems that Taylor Swift is probably following the same formula. She's working with Jack Antonoff. Like yep. that's become her person now. Um, for a while, Katy Perry and, and Max Martin. And before all of that, you know, Shania Twain and Mutt Lang. Once she kind of got a hold of them, it's like she didn't let go. Probably helped that they were married. <laughs> that probably made it a little bit easier as well. But I think there's something to be said about that artist that finds the producer that they just feel knows them, that they can work with. And they usually, as I mean, we've kind of seen it just kind of works, you know? Like I can't think of any instances where like it just hasn't worked, where you get that one producer that just knows you and they do all your stuff and like I can't think of any instances where that's been a failure, you know. Yeah, um, the it it basically comes down to like if the producer and the and the artist can't 
if they're like disagreements the whole way or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just trying know, to think like I don't know why more people don't do that. that. Uh, some people think that it's too much. Well, I'm 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 speculating here, of course, but is it too much pressure for that artist and producer to put together, you know, an album's worth of good songs? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it because of the the time that they have? Because we we're in a this was great for its time. Coming over worked for its time, um, because it they, they had the time to do it. I mean, they, yeah. they put this together over the course of a year, uh, yeah. at least a year. And now we're in a time where it's everything is singles driven. So yeah. it's like, get this song out now. And while some artists still put out albums, there's not the, um, the potential for those albums isn't what it definitely is not what it used to be, where mm -hmm. people are looking for. They're, they're anticipating that, you know, this person's going to have a lot of great material or maybe there are songs that, you know, uh, we don't skip over. And, uh, but I feel like sometimes with the albums, I know there's going to be like a few throwaways on there. Like you yeah. definitely phone these songs in uh, yeah. just to get to a certain number. Like 16 so that songs you don't is a lot. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, 16, 16, 16 is a songs lot. is a and lot. And 12 of them are good enough to be singles? Yeah. Uh, I, when are we ever going to see something like that again? Who's going to be, who, what, what, uh, I'm not going to say, well, not record companies, but what artist is going to give themselves that kind of time to where they, or what artist is not going to have that pressure to put together a 16 song album and you know the and the songs are good are 16 good songs not just phoning it in songs mm -hmm. like i appreciate well, I think... the the uh well i just wanted to bring up that uh, i heard ludicrous say this that he makes songs for his albums he wants every one of them to be a single so he's thinking mm -hmm. he has that mentality which with every song he's 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 writing yeah. And I don't know if that, I mean, do we see that mentality from anyone else? Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what record company, because I don't think a record company wants the way that they approach music is different now to where not only is has the fan deemed it to be a single driven industry the record companies have deemed it to be a singles driven a single driven industry and the fact that if you are a newer artist um if your first two singles don't hit you don't get to release an album uh the first person that comes to mind is nicole scheisinger her singles didn't didn't catch so they shelved her album just it never came out her solo album just never came out you know and she probably wouldn't have seen the light of day honestly if it weren't for the pussycat dolls so mm. I think the record companies are pushing that and I think is also being echoed by the people that are selling the music. Um, I read an article not too long ago where the, um, I believe it's either the president or the CEO of Spotify is encouraging artists to not release a lot of content because he said it does not behoove them to release. So when he says a lot of content, don't release albums, release singles. He's like, don't waste your time releasing an entire album of material at the same time. 
and then run the risk of getting stale, piecemeal it, get put it out, you know, one by one. So I think it's what the consumer kind of wants. It's what the record companies want. And it seems to be, you know, with Spotify being the biggest musical music streaming service by subscription base, it seems to be what they're encouraging as well. And I imagine they're encouraging it because they've seen it be the most successful method of putting out music. So I don't think an album like this works nowadays. I think we just end up getting 12 singles, maybe five or six singles before the album even comes out, you know? Yeah. And that's if they even decide to put 12, maybe you put 10, you know, and save the other six for another, you know, but I just, it doesn't, I think, I think Justin Timberlake tried it with man in the woods. And then he kind of, I think he kind of found out like, even I can't do it anymore. <laughs> No, so where I, I can he, put out he's an album coming off of like that. He had done a double album in that. Like, yeah, yeah he, he had uh, done some very ambitious stuff in his career. Yeah. But even he found, like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. He should have just released singles. Like, he probably should have just released Say Something and and the one that he had before that for the Troll soundtrack and just kind of kept it moving because, like, no one's just, people aren't really here for albums anymore. No. So that is, this is definitely an album of a different time. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's an album of a different time, and I think it's looked on, is looked on fondly because of how big it was. Yeah, but you know, I, 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 at least I think we understand. I don't know if everyone else understands, but I think we at least we understand that it doesn't do this now. No, I think it, the it would latest be, that it, it could be maybe do, do this, this is this maybe two thousand five or two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's look at the award history for this album. So it was nominated for album of the year. It did not win. Uh, it lost to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, others nominated in this category, the globe sessions by Sheryl Crow ray of light by Madonna and version 2.0 by garbage. Really? Version 2.0 by garbage. Yeah. That hasn't aged well. I mean, that's not a bad album, but I don't think that aged. I don't think them being in an album of the year category. No disrespect to Butch Vig, but wow. Uh, okay. For best country album, uh, which it looked like it had just been revived. Uh, it was in the '60s, and then, and then not until 19, after 1966. The next time they had it was 1995. <laughs> um, Academy is just weird. <laughs> Shania Twain had one. The uh, award for best country album for the woman in me, but she did not win for coming over. She lost to the Dixie chicks for wide open spaces. Ooh, that's a good album, which also beat Garth Brooks's sevens. Yeah, that's man. Oh wait, no, they're just the chicks. Let me stop. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. But okay. That's uh, also, also a great album. You're Still the One was nominated for Record of the Year and it did not win. It lost to My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Oh, I bet Celine Dion loved that too. <laughs> it was also nominated <laughs> with The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. They're doing a Versus next week. Um, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls and Ray of Light by Madonna. Man, I... The late '90s man was just. That's. Uh, it was nominated for Song of the Year, of course, and. Uh, it went to my heart. Will go on. 
uh, nominated with I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, uh, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, and Lean on Me by Kirk Franklin. Uh, but I, Kirk Franklin is uh, credited as the lone songwriter. Yeah. So R. Kelly was just saying on it, I guess. I don't think anything was going to beat out, though, anything from Titanic back then, just of how yeah. massive that movie is. I think My Heart Will Go On also won the uh, Academy Award for Best Original yeah. Song. So. What did uh, Ricky Bobby say? It won the award for Best Movie of All Time. <laughs> <laughs> best Movie Ever Made. <laughs> uh, best Country Song. I know I'm not going to know all the songs here. Um, it won for Best Country Song. Um, it beat out This Kiss. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's notable there. Um, it also won for Best Female Country Vocal Performance. And see if I recognize any of the songs that it beat out. I beat out This Kiss. And uh, a pat a little past Little Rock by Leanne Womack, and there goes my baby by Trisha Gearwood. Okay, that's funny. That's she's in good company. Those are all very um, legendary singers. Hell, that Trisha Gearwood, that's Mrs. Uh, Garth Brooks right there. But wait, there's more. So the <laughs> next year, <laughs> it got three more nominations because the song, the album just kept going. <laughs> uh, you've got a way was nominated for Song of the Year. And let's see. You've got a way. It did not win, but it was nominated with um, It Lost to Smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas. The album that cheated. <laughs> it uh, was nominated with I Want It That Way. Living La Vida Loca. And Unpretty by TLC. Oh, I didn't know Unpretty got nominated. Dallas Austin wrote that one, right? Yes. Uh, well, it's credited as T-Boz and Dallas Austin. Okay. I know he played guitar on it, too. Uh, it was nominated for Best Country Vocal Performance. It won for that. Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Well, won for Best Female Country Vocal Performance. And Come On Over, the title track, uh, won Best Country Song. I'm going to look into this to see if, if there's ever been another album that had singles nominated off of in, in three separate Grammy ceremonies. Because hmm. that's that's got to be that's crazy. Like it just it because she heard the last first single was in 97. The last single was in the middle of 2000. Yeah. So this album had some staying power. That's crazy. So uh, any, uh, what do you think is the, how do you think the, uh, this album should be remembered? Um, a very well-produced and very expertly written. And I'd also, I'd also say expertly produced because I know that's one thing I did not touch on because I kept talking about the writing and, and arranging and stuff. But this album, even, you know, 20 plus years later, has some of the slickest production I've ever heard. Um, but that's what you get when you get someone who is a master of what they do. Like everything was just, it, everything sounded so good 
And some people will say, well, it sounded digital. That's the point. To keep it sounding fresh, A, to have to have crossover appeal, because if you listen to pop music, you know, it's all heavily produced and, and sounds digital. Um, but then also for longevity. That's why this you can turn this album on 20 plus years later and it still sounds good because it was so well produced and I have to give hats off to Mutt Lang. And I don't know if he ever won a producer of the year award, non-classical producer of the year award, but he should have because he was such a good producer. Off of this album alone, he could have won it. But that's what I think this should be uh, remembered as, like a very well-produced, a very well-written album. Uh, and hella, he hella ambitious. <laughs> he, is, he, so, is, he, did, he has not won that particular Grammy, but he does have five Grammys. I'm sure he's doing fine then. I mean, he's no David Foster, but I'm sure he's doing fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that this is an album that um, it kind of. I think it would. It changed how uh, country can be marketed, especially for a female artist. Um, and it changed how like country can cross over if. Not just like you don't have to change too much of who you are, but you can change a couple of things. You can tweak a couple of things, and if you uh, um, if you work with someone who can um, use what they have attained, you know, use their knowledge and from what they've been successful with, and bring it over to a different genre, you can. Not to say you would reinvent the wheel, but it could uh, make the album stand out. Because, I mean, like I said, this is the best country music album, the best-selling country music album of all time. Yeah. Better than Sevens. Better, no, <laughs> not, to be <laughs> not to make fun of it, but, you know, it's it, because it appealed to, it appealed across genres and radio formats and, uh, music television channels, you know, uh, and it, and then inter and then they took it international with this, you know, the house music version of these songs or whatever, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it having the, uh, it appealed to a lot of people and then they were able to take it a step further as far as appealing to even more people around the world. So mm -hmm. that, that's a bait. That's why it is so successful. Yeah. Well, that will do it for our discussion on Shania Twain's Come On Over. Uh, I, I would I would uh, I would suggest that, you know, if you haven't listened to it or it's been a while, um, you should go back and listen to it. It's it's a it, it, it doesn't sound too dated at all, really. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. All right. So we'll get to um, my earworm of the week. Uh, this is a British artist named Sam, but it's not Sam Smith. Uh, <laughs> it is an artist named Sam Sparrow. Uh, he has an album uh, that came out a couple of months ago called Boombox Eternal. And hold on, Sam, I know him. I didn't know he was British. I thought, okay, I like Sam I Sparrow. Think, I think he's British. I'm not sure. Let me check. I, he's something. He's got an accent. He, he was on two K. That's that's how I know him. I feel bad for saying that. He's Australian, actually. Okay. Yeah. He's got one of those. He's got an accent. I know that much. <laughs> um. 
but he uh he has an album uh boombox eternal it's his third solo album and i think if if for people if you like bruno mars's 24 karat magic i think you'd like mm. sam sparrow's boombox eternal because uh if if bruno mars was listening to new jack swing um so was sam sparrow like and he, he was listening to <laughs> Janet Jackson and TLC and um Mariah Carey uh and Bobby Brown the new edition of course so he was listening to New Jack Swing for his album too uh but with this with my with this my earworm this week uh he worked with another one of my favorite artists We Are King and you were talking about how Anchor and Braille is using synth synths uh mm-hmm. for for their project uh we are king is uh i would say they're the queen of uh the moog synths because they like collect them <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh they they're using them all the time in, in writing their music and there's a lot of that in this song so it's called outside the blue so this is sam sparrow featuring we are king outside the blue and we'll be right back is Outside the Blue by Sam Sparrow featuring We Are King from his album Boombox Eternal. And you can find that on the BTTYT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. All right, that will bring us to the end of the program. So Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? I can tell these people where we can be found, yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. I think I got that. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, oh, God, I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank. No, <laughs> um, so, no, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, you can also find us on the gram or IG. Um, I hear IG a lot more now, though. I think that's what the kids are calling it mm. on IG. Um, at by the time you hear this, and you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. So the website is spelled with the um, the letter, no, the word you, Y-O-U, as in you, the listener. And um, the Instagram or the IG and the Gmail are spelled with the letter U, and that is because we're urban. Yes, we are. And we just I, talked I, about I, a country I, I, album. I, 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 so. It's yes, we is. Oh, no. Yes, we is urban. And we just did talk about a country album. So what? Uh. Get you someone I who can I, do both. Right. Yes, I think that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> what, 30 years ago, we would have been like, y'all need to come on home. Like, whatever. Stop it. I'm not going to go go watch I Think I Love My Wife and hear what Kerry Washington says to him about his ears. That's what I think about that. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie, by the way. What was the movie you said that was a kind of it was a rip off of or or a homage to? The uh, Gene Wilder movie? Oh, um It had the, the Love Light and Flight song and stuff. Yeah, the Lady in Red. Lady in Red, okay. Hold on, was the song Lady in Red from that movie? Uh I think it was played in that movie, but okay, I don't good. think it was on the uh I don't think the it was soundtrack. on like the soundtrack or anything. God, that movie, that song's so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, so now you probably want to know how you can listen to us. Um, so as you, um, as you go into your office, if you're still being forced to go into your office, I'm so sorry if you are, yeah. and you're trying to avoid the annoying coworker that um, says that it's going to be different this time, and that the Las Vegas Raiders um, are going to um, make the playoffs. I, I don't know. Um, or you've just got that that coworker that just has like the weirdest um, opinions on um, football. Like they think that um, Tom Brady's going to win the NFC South with the Buccaneers. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know you might have that coworker. Uh, if you want to drown them out, listen to us. You, if you got an iPhone, Apple Podcast Player. If you've got an Android phone, um, you could try Google Music or Google Podcast, whatever they're doing. If you know, tell me because I I don't use that. I use Spotify where we can also be found. Yes. Um, who is currently trying to corner the market on podcasts. And I guess we're kind of helping them. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how we feel about that, but whatever, it's cool. Um, and you can also find us on all of those podcast aggregate websites, our um, apps such as um, CastBox, Overcast, Auto Radio, Satchel Podcast Player, which has a nifty feature. You can find podcasts recorded in your area. Um, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Listen Notes, Play.fm. Check us out. Give us a listen. Drop us a review. I believe the only one of those you can leave reviews on is Apple Podcast. Um, so drop us a review. Um, if you leave anything less than, uh, was it five stars? We're going to think that you're a hater. Yes. So um, don't be a hater. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think. Um, shoot us an email. Give us some, <laughs> I mean, Show ideas, send us your music, any of that stuff. We we love to hear from you. Yes, yes. Uh oh, that movie is the movie is called The Woman in Red. That, oh, that okay. makes a difference. 
but I, I was looking at the soundtracks. I know Stevie Wonder, I thought he wrote some of the songs, but he actually he wrote them all, all of them, um, yeah. except for one. Uh, but like the Lady in Red was not included. But the, I think uh, the Lady in Red came out like two years later. So gotcha. I remember Love Light and Flight was on your top your because five for Stevie Wonder. So yeah, that was the first time I'd ever heard of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually still never seen the movie. So oh, okay, uh, yeah. I had, I mean I seen I think I love my wife and I was like oh I, I looked at the plot I was like yeah that's totally. I think I love my wife and you have one of the biggest comedic actors at the time making that movie. And then of course, Chris Rock being one of the, you know, the bigger comedians at the time. So it just makes sense. You know, great minds think alike. Yeah. Um, so what should we end the show with? Um, I don't know. Let's see. We could end with, when I know that was like I was mentioned that's you know my one of my favorite songs on the album. I don't think we played that one at all. We talked about it briefly, but I don't think it got played. I'm down with that. It's got a nice little got a nice driving beat to it, some good guitar work in it. All right. Just want to make sure I wasn't playing the international version. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is Win by Shania Twain from Coming Over. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.